the sound of a C63 Black Series starting up and being driven as we board the Channel Tunnel train to France for a trip to the Belgian Grand Prix in a fleet of AMG Mercedes-Benz cars which is just the sort of thing we want to do on Gareth Jones on speed. It's about quarter to seven in the morning on Saturday, the day of qualifying over in Spa, and we've just loaded, I think, nine AMG cars onto the Channel Tunnel. Uh, as you know, I'm travelling in a C63 Black Series. We've got an SLS AMG Roadster in front of me in black. Uh, my Black Series, by the way, is matte black, of course. And there are all the other cars, I think, in the AMG range represented here and a whole bunch of journalists Chas Hallett from What Car being one of them have you done this trip before Jim? I have this is my third trip in a row actually so I suppose I'm getting quite experienced at it is it something that we should be blasé about or is it a treat doing this sort of thing even so because you drive everything all the time I do drive everything but listen when you go to the best Formula 1 race in the season in some great AMG Mercedes I think you can probably describe that as a treat I can't think of many things that tick more boxes than that turning up in style absolutely Petrohead's paradise Formula <laughs> 1 AMG Mercs great road trip couldn't get better really are you sure it's not wasted on us though well it might be wasted on you guys it's not wasted <laughs> on me I'm going to take you on a bit of a tour of the Eurotunnel train come and meet some of the other people who are on this trip oh, sorry. ok sorry. no problem thank you Two of the people who are on the trip with us, Johnny Smith. Johnny! Hello. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah. How many hours did you sleep last night? That's a good question. Four and a half or something. So you're well, in good shape to I woke drive 200-odd miles in an AMG. Yeah. I woke up for what I thought was a midnight p- and then my alarm went off as I came out of the toilet. It was like, oh, so I'm getting up now. Oh, OK. I was woken up at 10 to 5 by the sound of, I think, the Black Series outside. Because when you start it, it flips the throttle automatically. It is amazing. It's not something you get used to, is it? No. I feel sorry for whoever has a hotel room at that end of the hotel next to where all these were parked. Because they no. really would have got woken up. Those poor people. Oh, See, they don't get the pleasure of then getting in it and then ushering no. it across Europe. No, no exactly. Are we going to get stopped for speeding? Well, it has happened in the past, Gareth. I'm not known for driving quickly, personally, so no. I don't anticipate that will happen. I prefer a burnout because you're not actually travelling very fast when you do it. And I don't know whether it's illegal in other countries. I think as long as you're in someone else's car, it's all right. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Also here, Nihal, Radio 1 DJ. Hey, man, what hey. are you doing here? <laughs> That's a very good question. What am I doing here on a trip in my lifetime? Just said it's like the ultimate stag. 
It is, isn't it? Especially the AMG stag. Does that mean that it's going to finish with one of us tied naked to a tree? And one of us will have a tattoo on our face by the end. <laughs> Which car are you in? Are you in the Roadster? Yeah. Sorry, not the Roadster, because the Roadster's the Gullwing, is it? No, this is the Roadster. Yeah. That's the Coupe. Then I'm in the Roadster. With yeah. the roof off yeah. already. Well done. No, 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 no. Our roof isn't come up yet, so we're not circumcised yet. <laughs> we'll be getting you know, I've never heard it put that way before. <laughs> Our host for this trip is Rob Halloway, who's head of PR for Mercedes-Benz in the UK. And Rob just got told off uh, because he's standing in between the cars and he had a bonnet open on one of the SLSs, a rather fetching brown one, a real 70s brown. And he was pointing something out under the bonnet on the engine. I'm going to find out. Rob, can I interrupt? What were you pointing out in the engine there? Uh, each AMG engine is built by hand by one person. So on the, the top of the cylinder head, there's a badge which is signed by every engineer. It takes one man one day to build one engine. Whoa. On his own, completely? It's quite an old-fashioned process because each person has to put their own name on it. They have to do it perfectly. So the idea is that uh, if they sign it, they take a bit of ownership of it. And often we have customers phoning up the factory in a Falterback in Germany asking to meet the guy that built the engine for their car. It's great. They're superstars. Bespoke engineering, that is. And I suppose some customers will request a certain engine builder if they've had a good experience in the past. Absolutely. We have repeat customers coming back uh, saying, I want Mr. Weber to build my next engine. It's another world. Gareth Jones on speed at the 2012 Belgian Grand Prix with AMG. exactly right. How do you say it, Rob? C63 AMG Coupe Black Series. Spot on. Tell me about this car, because this is the top of the range in terms of performance AMG car in the Mercedes-Benz range, isn't it, Rob? That's right, yeah. AMG is the high-performance division of Mercedes-Benz, and within AMG there are different versions. You have the standard AMG cars, which are a pretty high standard, and then the Black Series range is, is kind of like the limited edition bespoke skunk works within AMG itself. So yep. the cars are very limited numbers. There are a few hundred of them built. So they're, they're almost the AMG that you can't get hold of unless you're one of the lucky ones. So the car we're in, the C63 Black Series, it's the fourth in the Black Series family. The first one was the SLK55, then we had the CLK63 AMG Black Series. Yep. Then uh, the SL65, which is 670 horsepower. This one, the car we're in at the moment, is just over 507 horsepower. It's the most powerful C-Class that's ever been made. And really, the Black Series bit means that it's got more of the racing technology from DTM cars, more of that kind of thinking than the standard cars. So the suspension's adjustable. It's a bit more hardcore. They've stripped out some of the weight so the car we're in doesn't have any back seats and the back seats have been taken out because we've got a carbon rear wing on the boot and the downforce generated on the rear axle means that we wouldn't be able to have the weight of two grown-up passengers in the back as well so it reduces weight we've got uh, diff cooling in the back as well it's set up for a track car for the, the wealthy car that, that was my next question you know who buys this car well the people that buy black series cars tend to have other performance cars 
in their garages or in their, their barns. I mean, we have, I have a fantasy garage. These guys have real fantasy garages. Yeah, yeah. And the Black Series is a car that they can drive around through cities. It's still a Mercedes-Benz. It can still drive through London and rush hour at 20 miles an hour. But it can also go around racetracks or track days or unlimited auto barns without a problem. I have to admit, to being a little nervous, you know, I got in this car at about half past five this morning and had to steer it onto the Channel Tunnel train. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's going to be wide. It's not going to have a great lock. It's going to be very low to the ground. But it was like a baby. It just slipped on. It's a usable car. But I would imagine of all the AMG cars, the Black Series is the least usable. It's still usable, but even so, if anything's going to be compromised for track performance, the Black Series is the one. Absolutely right, yeah. This is very much focused on high performance. So the engineers aren't allowed to change certain things with the cars. It has to still be drivable and usable, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But let's, let's not lie, it is hardcore. It's a hardcore performance machine. Yeah. Which is what you can feel. You're sitting in a, in a Recaro bucket seat. We've got carbon all over the place, which helps reduce weight of it. An enormous 6.3-litre V8 engine. That Hand, makes a great sound. Makes a great sound. It's hand-built. That's up front. And the thing is designed just to be quite exciting. So when you get up at 5 o'clock and get on the Euro Tunnel, you're looking forward to the 150 kilometres we've got till our pit stop. I had no trouble getting up at 5 o'clock this morning, <laughs> which is not normally the case. No, I know what you mean. A hundred and fifty very fast kilometres later, we arrived at the pit stop, where the thirsty beasts needed topping up with fuel, as did the people driving them. But Johnny Smith was talking to Chris Harris about other reasons for stopping by the side of the road. But I just said, well, hang on a minute, how can you do me for the fact that I need a wee? And I will urinate myself in a car, which could cause an accident, because I'll panic and go... I think, I think you've, got, you've got a valid point. But yeah. equally, I find it strange that the police feel that it's a good use of their time to stop people who are having a wee. Especially if you're pulled right over. Well, you're, I'm one of your nippers as well. If you do it legally, yeah. and they're in yeah. the middle of it doing what they call an alfresco, and you're holding the trousers <laughs> down, and it's going all down your arms, oh. <laughs> and then the copper goes, that's three points, yeah. you and right, a fixed so. penalty. Chris, yeah, mate. tell me about that application that you showed me a minute ago. What is this that you use to avoid radar cameras in Europe? I need to clarify that. I'd never try and avoid Of course, no, that's true. I just true. quite like to know where they are. To be aware yeah. of them. I'm, very, yeah. I'm always very, um, very... It's called um, Avertinu. How does it work? But your accent's better, Avertinu. Avertinu. And it's a community-based one, because the French have particularly draconian feelings towards radar and radar detection. So what you do is, you sign up to the app, if you go past a mobile speed camera, you'll probably be warned that it's there. And if it is there and you see it's there, you press yes, it's there. That gets uploaded to the site and then that information is pushed to all the other people that have the app that are switched on. You can see real time how fast you're going, how many people, you're called a meerkat because you're out doing this. So that you can see how many meerkats there are in the area that can respond to it. You can set a radius of 30 kilometres to how many other potential hazards there are around. And last hazards, week when I, I like that. Hazards. I'm using some legalese here because I don't want to get myself into pup. But <laughs> 980 miles last Saturday I did. There were only three radar traps in all that time. And this thing got all three. It gives you a four kilometre window. Says so slow down, slow down. Four kilometres. It could be anywhere in those four kilometres. So you slow down. 
And did you see the one outside we Brussels? Did they got that. that one. Yeah. They got that perfectly. And this is because we now have to turn off proximity alerts on our sat-nav in France. That's, that's the law here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sidesteps it. So that's still within well, French because law? because you're opting in. Right. There's no law that stops you saying, I've seen this, because you could be past the Eiffel Tower. Sorry, La Tour Eiffel. <laughs> there's, there's no way to stop people sightseeing, is there? And when was the last time you were caught out by a French radar? I haven't been for a while. I, I had yeah. an incident with the director of communications for Mercedes-Benz a year ago. But, um, Are you still talking about nature, No, no, we're absolutely fine. Let's get back to p***s. This is more interesting. Yeah, I'll leave you to it. Gareth Jones on speed at the 2012 Belgian Grand Prix with AMG. Rob, tell me about... AMG. They're part of Mercedes now, but they weren't always, were they? That's right. 2012 is the 45th anniversary of AMG, and it was set up in 1967 by two engineers, Hans-Werner Aufrecht and Erhard Melcher, and they're the A and the M of AMG. Right. And they set up in the town where basically they grew up, called Grossesbach, which is a little village in the Swabian area, which is surrounded by orchards which is why the AMG badge has an apple tree on it. Oh, OK. And they initially set up, they were former Daimler-Benz engineers, they decided that they wanted to tune up some customers' cars. People were asking them to tune stuff up, so they would tinker with engines. And then they thought, well, the best way to promote that is to, to go racing. So in 1971, there was a 300 SEL 6.8, kind of like an E-Class 5 series size car, which they put a 6.3-litre V8 in. And then a guy called Hans Heyer won the 24-hour race at Spa in Belgium. And that kind of put AMG on the map. Daimler-Benz started to take a bit of notice. And then years later, a shareholding was bought by Mercedes, and it became a subdivision, like the official tuner, if you like. And then about 10 years ago, the company became a full-time, 100% division of the business. And now we have the site in Afalterbach, which is another small village in the apple orchards of Swabia, of Baden-Württemberg in Germany. And they build the high-performance divisions of, of all the Mercedes road cars. Plus, Hans-Werner Alfred now runs HWA Racing, which is our DTM team. Yes. And we have the engine factory in Palsabax, and the cars are born there as a spiritual home. Much is made of AMG as a sub-brand within Mercedes. When Mercedes-Benz goes racing in the DTM or in F1 now, it's Mercedes-Benz AMG. That's a big part of the identity, isn't it? That's right, yeah. I mean, Dieter Zetcher, who's the global chairman of the company, and Ola Kalanius, who's got, I think, the best job in the world, he's the, the president of AMG, they wanted the AMG brand to be as well-known as some of the other performance brands. And the best way to do that was to have the AMG badge on the Silver Arrows. And, and there is a degree of cross-pollination with the engineers. So, for example, the SLS AMG E-Cell, which is the electric version of the Goldwing car, which is coming out in the next year or so. Yeah. The engineers that developed that are the same engineers who have done the current system in our Formula 1 cars. So if you're lucky enough to be able to afford one of those cars... Yeah. You're having the same people that do Michael and Nico's Sunday drives. So AMG, are they the best people to tackle the electrical revolution in cars? Because people like Williams go to specialists like Zytec in the UK for a lot of their hybrid-related stuff. Is hybrid technology something that AMG will dabble with? Well, there are different solutions for different challenges, different yeah. engineering challenges. Daimler invests an enormous amount of money in R&D research and development every year, about €5 billion Euros a year. And there are two ways, I suppose, of looking at the electric car world, the, the spectrum. 
One of them is the very efficient urban use, which things like the smart electric drive can do. It's an urban runabout, zero emissions, all that kind of stuff. The SLS e-cell will be an enthusiast, high-performance, ultra-fast supercar. Yep. So it's two different things, but I guess it's all about efficient storage of energy. And there's no engineering reason why you couldn't have one of these high-performance energy storage units like KERS or the ERS system, which is going to be in Formula 1 in the next couple of years, in a city car. It just, I guess, at the moment, costs a lot of money. The economy of scale isn't there yet. It's not been amortised. Yep. As the accountant Trick Trickled down. Trickled yeah. down, yeah. <laughs> Trickle charge down. <laughs> Quite literally. Very good. <laughs> What's your favourite AMG? in the Mercedes-Benz AMG range oh, I'm quite fickle I flick and flag from day to day but I flip depending on my mood but I always kind of go back to the C63 AMG because for me it's small enough yep. to be quite wieldy around town I don't have any children so it's perfectly fine for what I need I can fold the seats down and put a wardrobe in the back if I need to it's quite unassuming yep. but it's incredibly fast where would AMG stop there are AMG versions of the C, the E. Is it S? Is there an S class? Yeah, yeah. There are three versions of C class. Yeah. Uh, Coupe, Saloon, and Estate. Same with E class. We've got CLS, SLK, SL. Uh, there are various versions of the SL. There's a, a V8 and a V12. We've got the G class. It's basically almost any of the cars that we do will have an AMG version, with the exception of some of the SUVs and the people car, like the R-Class. We did do an R63, but that was probably an AMG too far. I nearly bought a second-hand one recently. There was one on Piston Heads for, was it 14 grand? And I... A great use buy. (laughs) (laughs) I really had to stop myself. You know how much I love the R-Class? And the idea of an AMG R-Class, I could get around that. But will there, for instance, ever be an AMG Smart car, or is that one brand too far? Well, Smart's performance cars are done by Brabus, and Brabus is another one of these independent tuning houses. But what AMG is going to be doing next year is its first four-cylinder engine, because AMG at the moment is all about V8s and V12s. Yep. But the A45 AMG, which launches in 2013, will be a four-pot engine with a big turbo on it. So it will be over 300 horsepower. I can't say exactly how many horsepower over 300 it will be. But it will be a proper AMG. It will be four-wheel drive. And it's getting the brand to be more attainable, more relevant to more people, yeah. more, more regularly. Because, you know, V8 C-classes and V8 SLKs and things are, by their very nature, quite rare beasts. But we can make it more attainable. There's an A250 engineered by AMG, which is, again, a turbocharged car. But AMG have played with the chassis. So again, it's making it a bit more mainstream, like some of the other performance brands from German car companies. And what that does is then allow AMG to push up as well with the Black Series, so AMG becomes two sub-brands. Absolutely. The Black Series, like the car we're in now, are the Halo cars. They're the limited edition collector's box sets, if you like. They're the ones that the fans yearn for. But then you have the, the standard AMGs, you've got the AMG styling kits on some of the other sport models in the range anyway. Yeah. But the idea is that there's a bit of AMG DNA in everything we do now. I'm not sure if you can describe the Black Series as a Halo car, because Halos are what angels have. This is a horns car, <laughs> what devils have. Well, I'm not saying I'm a bad man, but when you drive something as overwhelmingly performance-oriented as this, you feel like a demon. That's a very good point, and the car we're in has got matte black paint and 
bedecked with carbon spoilers front and rear, so yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I've just driven 100 miles in an SLS AMG and because the roof's off it makes a wonderful noise. Now we didn't attempt recording while we were on the motorway there because it was pretty quickly the speed but now we're travelling down a little almost private road which will take us to parking for the paddock club and I thought you might like to hear this engine. Now I don't know if I'll be able to do this, let's have a go. Yeah, you can hear it, can't you? That was most of the horsepower. <laughs> most of it. Uh, that's probably enough on this road here. Gareth is currently driving on a mud track. <laughs> it's true, it's true. And it's remained all four wheels pointing in the same direction as the, the way I want to go. It's a good car, this, Rob. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Very hard to drive whilst holding a recording device. Probably enough, don't you? <laughs> oh, it makes a lovely sound. Sorry, I'm not very smooth. Oh, the pops on the overrun. And I think that's probably enough of that for now before we get thrown out. <laughs> oh, one more then. That really is enough. I think I'm pushing me luck. <laughs> Wasn't expecting someone to be coming the other way either. Just a little proof that we haven't come all this way to Spa without getting close to some F1 cars. There goes one of the Toro Rossos. the other one followed by a force India exiting the pit lane for the second part of qualifying here today I'm going to do a bit of audio recording for you I'm going to go and stand over the start finish straight and set this recorder to the full 180 degree stereo imagery there goes Maldonado and I'll, I'll give you some proper hi-fi recording of F1 cars And I know you like it. The next few minutes of Gareth Jones on speed are nothing but pure car audio porn. Can I suggest that the way to enjoy this section is to listen to it on the best pair of headphones you have available. You might also want to have a clean pair of undies to change into afterwards.
you know how that AMG Mercedes I drove here pops and crackles on the overrun? Well, listen to this for popping and crackling. That was a force India at the end of the start-finish strike. Toro Rosso. The Red Bull. to lots of motor races and many Formula One races and Formula One never fails to shock it is truly terrifying the screech and the wail and the pops and the cracks it is frightening and that's not even being in the car Penalty for Rosberg. And we have straks ook nog een vijf plek penalty for Mark Webber. Die wel doorgaat in de top 10. Webber Button, Hamilton Alonso, Raikkonen Grosjean, die resta Kobayashi Perez en Maldonado zijn de heren in de derde kwalificatie. I'm in the F1 Paddock Club viewing area, which is an extraordinary expanse littered with giant TV screens giving coverage in three languages English, French, Flemish, Dutch as well and as I'm here with AMG Mercedes I have to report a slight disappointment that Rosberg never made it out of Q1 he qualified 18th and then Schumacher only managed 13th in Q2 However, keeping my Mercedes hat on at the moment as we go into Q3, Button leads with a Mercedes engine. Hamilton is fifth with a Mercedes engine. And also Paul de Resta is there with another Mercedes engine in the Force India at ninth. So all hope is not lost yet. I like to consider myself a reasonable motorsport pundit, but no expert. Beforehand, I was asked by one of the other guys on this trip who's no F1 nut, okay, who's going to be the top three? And I said, well, you can't discount Hamilton or Button or Alonso, but watch out because the Saubers are still pretty handy. And it turns out that I was pretty close because after qualifying the top five looked like this. Button, Kobayashi, Maldonado, Raikkonen and Perez. Alonso just at six there. 
So, I don't know if I can make a prediction for the race tomorrow. Button for the win. Well, he's in pole, but I'm not going to rule out Lewis or Alonso. Will Raikkonen win? Everyone's been tipping Raikkonen to win tomorrow at this race. I'm not sure because it takes a long while to put a really competitive car together in a team and you have to wait for all the stars to align and I think for Raikkonen to win tomorrow he might need a bit of a weather break and at the moment it is brilliant sunshine here at the edge of the Ardennes forest and uh, it's not supposed to be like that here so if you excuse me I'm off to do a little sunbathing and perhaps a sip of the free champagne thank you AMG and thank you Bernie Providing Gareth doesn't overdo it with the sun and the champagne, our bumper coverage of the 2012 Belgian Grand Prix continues in the next episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!